Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Romans 16, 17 and 18. You can just remain seated. We're going to just read several scriptures this morning uh, just as reference points. This is not my typical way of uh, preaching for those of you that are visiting, but it's just what we kind of had on our heart this morning. <clears throat> Romans 16 and 17, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, all throughout the scripture, the Bible talks about those who cause division, uh, sowing discord among the brothers. As a deacon, so I talked to Brother Terry, we sat down and talked to Brother Terry, and, um, and this is what I told Brother Terry. I said, I'm not asking you to be a deacon so you come back here and agree with everything I say. Right? I don't need a yes man. I need someone that will tell me the truth. But I also told him uh, that whenever we don't agree, we don't go out of here mad at each other. Right? We don't go out of here mad at each other. We say, I don't see it that way. We don't agree. We have a different opinion. Uh, But we're still going to love each other. Listen, there's no place in the church, whether we're talking about the deacons we have, whether we're talking about uh, the, the groups of people in church, there's no room to be divided in the church. We need unity in the church. We need unity. Now, unity is not everybody seeing it the same way. I don't think there's another person in this church, probably not another person on the planet, who sees things the way I do, right? You can all say amen right there. Nobody, we don't all see the same thing, right? This isn't about all of us having the same uh, thinking on things. This is about we're going in the same direction, right? We're going in the same direction. We're not divided. Does anybody, just real simple uh, English here, division, a divided vision. So one has a vision for this and one has a vision for this and we're going in two different ways. Will that ever work in a church? That'll never work in a church. And it can't possibly work. So we needed, so amongst the leadership, there needs to be, amongst the preachers and amongst the deacons, there needs to be a unity uh, together. But can I tell you, that doesn't just apply to the deacons. That applies to all of us. If we're coming here, we all need to be going in the same direction. Uh, again, that doesn't mean you agree with everything we do. doesn't mean we all see things the same way. It means our vision is the same going forward for everyone. Any church that has a group over here that has this vision and a group over here that has this vision and a group back here that has this vision, that church isn't going anywhere. Now, if you've been around church any time at all, you know that's kind of that's normal to have in a church. But let me just make this really clear. Let me, just, let me just say this very dogmatically. In 2021, that won't do. That won't do. Because in 2021, it's time to quit playing games. 
It's time to quit quarreling over little silly stuff. It's time to stop being mad at each other because we have a different preference. It's time to say, let's make the main thing the main thing. We don't have time to divide. We don't have time to fuss among ourselves. We don't have time to have different groups. We need to all come together for Jesus Christ and keep people from going to hell. That's why we're here. Amen. We set everything else aside. So this isn't just for the deacons. This is for everybody here. Everybody here needs to be united. United. Amen? There, there's no place to be divided uh, in, in church, and it won't work anymore. Those churches who decide they're going to run, and we've all seen them, thank God, we don't have that here, but those churches where the pastor's on one page and the deacons are, are fighting another way, and they're going this way and they're going that way, and we have multiple visions and we have multiple groups, those churches will simply cease to be when times get really, really tough. I've said, this, I've said this for some time. We've been actually saying this for about a year and a half now. But a lot of the churches, I talked to Brother George who was here. Let me, just, let me just stop right there for just a minute while I, before I think about it. You guys about killed me last Sunday. You guys, you guys uh, last Sunday, Brother George was here. Those of you that were here Sunday night, he's a, a, a visiting uh, evangelist. And I never said one word to anybody about anything. I, didn't, I, never, I, never, I never said anything. As soon as the service was over, I seen everybody reaching for their wallets, pulling out their checkbooks. They were just giving that man money left and right. You know why? Because we love each other. There's just that servant's heart. I didn't say, if you guys really love Brother George, give him some money. Listen, the, there was different ones coming. Kind of, Is the church going to give me anything? I said, yeah, the church. Oh, I don't care. I'm going to give him something anyway. That's what a church is supposed to be. It, 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 is, it is just that, that heart that just wants to serve. We're all going together. And I didn't even have to pump you guys. We just did it together because that's what we do. That's what church is supposed to be. And when we're all together and on the same page and moving together, we just kind of work like a, a well-oiled machine. And that's what the church is supposed to be. That's what we need to be here at Sand Hill. And I, I, I was, again, this is not a scolding message. I think everything I'm going to preach this morning we're already doing. So this isn't a corrective message. This is a, you guys need to see what we really have. I think sometimes we forget what we have. How many churches can you go into where the preacher just gets up and preaches, and when it's over, everybody just pulls out their wallet and starts giving money away? I mean, that's not real normal, but that's what we do here. And I didn't have to coerce you guys. It's just what we do. And so many things we do around here, we just work together as a well-oiled machine. It's because something's going on here. Amen? And we need to see that. We're unified, a unified uh, direction that we're going in. So the deacons, the preachers, and all of the people need to have one vision. Our vision is very, very complex. It's very difficult to understand. You have to have a Ph.D. in, in, in uh, theology to understand our vision, okay? It's very, very difficult. Why are we here? To learn the Bible, to live the Bible, to see people saved, teach them to learn the Bible and live the Bible and repeat it again. It's that simple. Everything else just doesn't really matter. Listen, we can fight about all the different things. We're here to read the Bible, study the Bible, live the Bible, see people saved, teach them to learn the Bible and live the Bible, and then do it again. And then do it again. And then do it again. And can I just say everything else pretty much doesn't matter? <laughs> Is anybody with me on that? So every preacher that comes into this church and every deacon that comes into this church and every uh, lay person that comes into this church, we just all, you just need to understand we're here for one reason. Learn the Bible, live the Bible, see people saved. It doesn't have to be any complicated than that. 
It, it, listen, if we're seeing people saved and we're learning the Bible and we're growing in, in our walk with the Lord, vision accomplished, right? And we don't need anything else. So if you have a different agenda or a different vision, uh, you're not going the same way as we are. But I have to say, praise God, I think in this church, I think pretty much everybody's going in the same direction. Praise God for that. that that's, a, that's a phenomenal thing. <clears throat> so... That is very simple. That is very clear. That is very easy to understand. We all need to be in unity. We all need to be unified. Number two, turn your Bible to Matthew 23. I don't know if all these, these verses are on the notes or Matthew 23 and 11. I love this. I wasn't just trying to, well, I sort of was trying to be like Josh, but I, uh, uh, I got all of the you guys have no idea how difficult this is for me, but I, got, I, I actually um, got all of the points to start with the same letter. But as difficult as that is for me to do, I love ultimate servant. Because the word ultimate is the idea of the very best you can be. It, it is, you're, you're the, the ultimate. You're, you're better than everybody else. You're the ultimate. So here's the idea I kind of had. Here's the kind of the concept, the ultimate servants. Here's kind of the idea is this. I want to be a better servant than you. Give me that chair. I'll carry it. Let me wash those dishes. Get out of my way. Get out of the way. Let me clean that toilet. It's my job. Right? It's the, I want to be the best servant. I want to be a better servant than everybody else. So here's what Jesus had to say about it. They were arguing back and forth one day. The disciples were with Jesus. And in Matthew 23 and 11, this is what Jesus said. But he, or she, that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Let me just say this. This doesn't work in most churches. But this is New Testament Bible. If you want to be the greatest person in this church, you need to be the greatest servant. Amen? If you are not serving, you're not great. If you want people to serve you, you are one of the least people in this church. But can I just tell you, we got, we got, now you guys know this, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. We have the most awesome people in this church. I, I, a lot of you went to Timmy's wedding. Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that awesome, Sister Tina? I mean, I, I mean, Tina come back, she was crying because she was mom. I was crying because I was pastor. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, my people, I mean, you got, there was 300 people there, whatever was there. And it's like everybody else, like, I don't have a clue to do it. The Sand Hill people, they just took over. They just took over. They just did everything. Why? Because we're servants. It wasn't about charge. If you do this, I'll give you some money. It was, hey, what can I do? How can I help? That's what we do. We have servant hearts. We, listen, can I just say this? I don't know if this is how he says We're good at it. We're good at being servants. We're good slaves. We're really good slaves. And that's what the Bible calls us to do. You go out back. Sometimes them, them sisters out there fighting over who gets to do the dishes, who gets to run the vacuum cleaner, who gets to put the tables away. That is what we're called to do. Anytime, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, but anytime we, well, it doesn't have to be a wedding. It can be a, a, a church concert. It can be someone's having a tent revival. As soon as they see the Sand Hill crew coming, they know what's going to happen. Sand Hill's going to take over. They're going to start putting things away. They're going to start working. They're going to be, and sometimes even, sometimes they're there and like, they don't have a clue what to do. So, so it's not our event. It's somebody else's event. And they're like, what should we do? And we have to run the thing because we know how to work. Right? But what am I saying? We're servants. It is a servant attitude that we're at. Now, deacons are called to be servants. But so are every one of you. Every one of you are called to be a servant. Now, I want you to understand something. In the Bible, in the King James Version Bible... The word slave is used a lot. 
This is going to be a little hard. If you're an American, this is going to be hard for you to understand. The word slave is used a lot. We have a very negative idea of slavery. Obviously, in this country, uh, slavery was um, wrong and, and very sinful the way that, that it was done in the 1800s. Obviously, that is wrong. I think, I think everybody would agree that was wrong, okay? The way they treated slaves, the way they did slaves, that was wrong. But here's what you got to understand. And a lot of people, because of what has happened in America, can I just tell you, this is not just an American book. This is for all of mankind. So a lot of people today, because of the bad things that have happened in the, in the past with slavery in the United States, which was obviously very wrong, even biblically very wrong, a lot of people said, how come the Bible talks about slavery? This is very important if you can understand this. Why does the Bible refer to slavery? And, and sometimes it's like, well, why didn't Paul just say, don't have slaves? But here's what you got to understand. This is really hard for you guys to understand. If you don't know history, this is, you're going to say, no, I don't agree with that. But, but just, just work with me here. Since Adam and Eve... Up until probably 100 years ago, think about this. This will blow your mind. From Adam and Eve up until probably 100 years ago, in the entire world, there was no middle class. There was rich people and there was poor people and nothing in between. So guess what the poor people did? They served the rich people. That's what they did. And there was no such thing as middle class. There was just rich and poor. Now, here's the thing. Not only from Adam and Eve up until about 100 years ago, but now that, but if you go over this entire planet, almost everywhere on the globe except for in the United States, there is no middle class. You're rich or you're poor. Here's the thing about that. We can't hardly get our minds around that because we've, we've lived in America. We can't hardly get our minds around it. Here's the thing about that. I want you to see where I'm going with church. If you were a, and the Bible calls it a slave, we could call that a servant. In biblical times, people had servants. You know, if you come to America, although we have a middle class, if you come to America, if you're very, very rich, you can have many servants of your own. Call them slaves. They live in your house. They do what you tell them to do. They cook your dinner. They clean your house. They do everything for you. And some of you sitting here, is there anybody here that ever has had someone wash your clothes for you? Or, or, or paid someone to do something for you. See, you have servants that you pay. And so the, here's, what, here's what I want you to get to. Here's what, here's what we're missing. Here's what we're missing. A slave or a servant in, in the day that Jesus wrote the Bible, guess what they knew they were there to do? Serve. It wasn't real hard. I am a servant. I am here to serve. I work for the master. Is anybody with me? I work for the master. I'm here to serve. I didn't come in. Jesus said, if you, this is what Jesus said. He said, now, if, if you're a master in a house and, you're, and your slave, your servant is out there and he plows in the field for 12 hours and it's hot and he's tired and he's sweaty and he comes in the house and you're sitting there and you're just sitting down there in your, in your comfortable seat and you've been sitting there all day and your slave comes in after working in the field and you say to him, now fix me something to eat and get me something to drink and he goes and gets you something to drink and something to eat. Does the servant say, I really did a big thing? No, he knows he's there to serve. And Jesus said, and your spiritual life when you've done everything you know to do just say I did what was expected of me we're servants we're servants we just do what we're supposed to do here's the thing about servants I'm not I'm not being critical of America I'm just trying to get us we have a way of thinking in America that we have rights and everybody has to worry about my feelings and blah 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 blah. but in in in, in biblical days and in in all the world days servants didn't expect to be thanked 
They didn't expect the master to say, everybody stand back. My servant Charles went and got me something to drink. We need to recognize him or else his feelings will be hurt. No, he's my servant. He works for me. He does what I tell him to do. Is anybody getting the picture here? All of you are servants to Jesus Christ. The master tells us what do we do with the master and we serve him and we're glad to do it. And our greatest thrill is I got to serve the king. Amen. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So servants is not a bad thing. Servants is um, what we are called to be doing. Now, I, I, I come up with this term. I thought I thought this was really awesome. It, it may not, you guys probably think it's stupid, but I thought it was really, really I just thought of it this morning because this is what Sand Hill Church does. Servants make the wheel turn. Does anybody understand that? There's a wheel turning here. It's the church. But here's the thing. Your pastor cannot make that wheel turn. Your pastor and the deacons cannot make that wheel turn. Do you know who can make that wheel turn? All of you guys. When all of you guys are here, the wheel turns. When we need something done, all of you together make the wheel turn. And the wheel, how many of you know the wheel has to turn? If the wheel doesn't turn, people go to hell. The church is not working. We're not doing what God calls you. But when everybody makes the wheel turn and you have a part to make the wheel turn and you have a part to make the wheel turn, everybody has a part to make the wheel turn. When we make the wheel turn, we're doing church. And that's what we do here. We make the wheel turn. And a lot of you just say this, what can I do to make the wheel turn? Don't need recognized, don't, don't need spotlight. I just want to do my little part to make the wheel turn. And we all work together, great things happen. <clears throat> Brother Tom is a deacon right now. Um, so Brother Tom, I think everybody in the church knows this. You know, he's been a deacon for a long time. And here's kind of how Brother Tom works. If something needs done, he does it. And then he forgets about it. Did anybody get that? If I got a problem, whether it's a physical problem, whether it's a people problem, whether it's a spiritual problem, whether it's a decision, I go to Brother Tom, he fixes it, and then it's over with. What I'm saying with that, we very seldom do we ever say, let's appreciate our deacon brother. He's doing such a great job. We very seldom bring him up and give him great accolades. We very seldom, and he doesn't care. He is here to serve. We had a men's ministry a few months back, and we were all going around the table saying, what is our spiritual gift? And that's what Brother Tom said. He said, my spiritual gift is to take care of what needs taken care of. It's over. See, that's what deacons do. As I read the, old, as I read the Bible, um, and, and I don't have time to go down this rabbit trail, but the deacons were never set in for a prestigious job for everyone to look at and say, oh, he is the deacon. It was a servant. It was a servant. And Brother Tom just says, whatever needs done, I'll do it. Don't worry about mentioning my name. Don't worry about recognition. Don't worry about, you know, making it sure everybody gets to know. There, there, there's a whole lot of things happen around here on a weekly basis that's because of Brother Tom. Most of you never even know that until you have a problem. Then you have to go get him to fix it for you, right? But my, my point is this. My point is this. It isn't about Tom. It's about service, Brother Terry, we're going to implement him. It is about him being a servant to the church. That is what being a deacon is. But can I tell you that it's not just a deacon. It's all of you. It's all of you. Everybody here to be a servant. And we serve one another. There's no, there's no big eyes and little you. Can I just tell you, I, I'm, I'm in the next, maybe next Sunday or, or soon, we're going to preach on preachers, but this morning kind of focus on deacons. But can I just tell you that I am your servant? 
I am here to serve you guys. I am not the pastor of the church to look at me. I'm important. I am the servant to you guys. That's why I'm here. I'm here to serve you guys. If you guys have a need, you guys need something prayed for, if you guys need uh, uh, help with something, if you, I come, you guys come out here on Sunday, I try to give you a biblical, um, uh, feed you biblically. I am here to serve you. And we're all here to serve one another. And I still like that idea, ultimate servant, because it is, again, the idea of who can out-servant the other. And I think we're pretty good. So here's what I'm going to say. If you're at Sand Hill Church, if you're part of Sand Hill Church, and you want to out-servant the other guys, you got some work ahead of you. Because there's some people here that really want to be servants, right? And so it's a big deal to be a servant uh, um, in, in serving other people. Um, just one more. Let me give you Brother Miguel. Um, Brother Miguel has told me, now, Brother Miguel is a preacher, and he could say, I am a preacher, Right? You know, Brother Miguel has told me over, and he just told me this past Sunday, but over and over and over again, this is what he told me. I want you guys to think about this. Don't, I want you guys to really let this sink in. This is what he tells me. Pastor, you do not worry about my feelings. I am here to do whatever needs done. Don't worry about my feelings. That is a servant. That is a servant. And when you got a church full of those kind of people, you're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. And I, and I use Brother Tom by Miguel. And, and listen, if we had time, I could go over this church and I could, I could give you 25 other illustrations, okay, of people who are exactly like that. That's who we are. It, it is not that Brother Tom and Miguel are, are exceptional uh, above everybody else. It is that that's the kind of people we are. I could, I could use many of you as an illustration of how you just come here to serve and you don't come here to get your name in the, in the bulletin, right? That's what church is about. But Jesus said this one little thing. Jesus said this one little thing. Let me, let, me, let me put it in Gary's words. Let me paraphrase. Brother Charles wants me to recognize him and say, look at here, Brother Charles. He, he did something great this week. That's all you get, brother. That's all you get. That's all you get. That's it. But he said, if Gary doesn't do that, then Jesus said, I will reward you. Now, would you rather have Gary patch on the back or Jesus? Right? So if, 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 I am, if I'm making a big fuss over you, Jesus, that's all you get. That's it. But if I'm not making a big fuss over you, Jesus said, I see what you did. You ever do something in this church and not a soul here knows you did it? But Jesus did. And Jesus said he would reward you. So let's just think about being ultimate servants to the church. A church full of servants is a New Testament church. So number three, unselfish, unselfish. Can I just say this? You guys are turning to Acts chapter 6. Be finding your way there. Acts chapter 6. And if I sound like I'm, I'm boasting this morning, that's probably because I am. But you can't preach this in every church. Because most churches won't have this. To preach a message on we all need to be servants and to preach a message on we all need to be unselfish is very um, unpopular. But it's not here. So I'm trying to show you, we're building the wall, we're, we're building, we're putting things together. Maybe all you see is the plumbing or the wiring, but when we get it all together, we're building the wall and we're building it out of, out of being what the New Testament calls us to be, a, a servant uh, people who are unselfish. And in Acts chapter 6, very familiar, I know we all know these uh, scriptures, but let's just read them real quickly. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verse number 1. Uh, the, the church has just uh, recently been born. It is growing at an, at an astronomical pace. Uh, souls just being saved by the thousands. 
the, Jesus went back to heaven. Uh, Pentecost has come. The Spirit has come. The apostles are preaching and people are getting saved. Uh, church is growing phenomenally. In verse number 6, we pick it up. Or I'm sorry, verse number 1, chapter 6. <clears throat> and in those days... When the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring among the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and wisdom, whom you may appoint over the, this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And I'm not going to read all those names, but we jump down to verse number six. Uh, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And the great company of priests were obedient to the faith. So the church had a problem. The church was growing so fast, the preachers couldn't keep up. Is that what was happening? The preach so, so the church had grown so fast, there were needs, there were, there were widows, there were people in need, there were things that needed done in church. And the preachers just simply said, we can't keep Now the preachers could have done, as is sometimes said today, the preachers could have said, you know what, there's someone in need, I'm going to close my Bible, I'm not going to have anything to say on Sunday, but I'm going to go take care of that need in the church. But the preacher said, no, I have a calling. Is there anybody here unselfish enough to go help those people that are in need? And they appointed deacons. I believe this is referring to deacons here. They appointed them to take care of the things the preachers couldn't take care of. Does that still apply today? Absolutely. Listen, uh, uh, you know, I, I work for a living, but even if I did work for a living, there, there is only a certain amount that I can get done. There's only an, a certain amount of, of hours in a day and time and everything else that I can do. And, and as the church grows and as there's needs and as there's things that arises, there, there's only a limited amount that I can do. We have other preachers in the church. So there's only so much they can do. But, but, and now we, and we have deacons and there's only so much they can do. But you know what? Everybody in this church can take care of the needs. And that's the picture that we see. We see the picture that, that it, it isn't a one-man band. It is a church coming together to take care of what needs to be taken care of. But these people here, they were unselfish. They said, I'm not here for myself. I'm here for somebody else. This is really important. I think Sandhill uh, understands this, most of you. But it's really important. The church is not about my needs. The church is about what I can do for others. I want you to get this. So, real quick history lesson. Back in, the, I, I believe, memory serves, I believe it was back in the 90s. I'm not exactly sure exactly when it was, but a bunch of churches came up with all across the United States, a bunch of churches come up with this brilliant idea. A bunch of preachers got together and they said, This is what we'll do. We'll find out what everybody wants. We'll send out and survey thousands and thousands of people all around us. We'll find out what they want, and we will design the church so when you come in here, it'll be exactly what you want. We'll have, a, we'll have the temperature to make the most people happy. We'll have the sound to be the most people happy. We'll give the kind of music that makes everybody happy. We'll have the messages. They literally made the messages tailored to the people that were coming in. And they got all these surveys, and so they brought people in and gave them what they wanted. And they packed out the house. I mean, I'm talking tens of thousands of people. 
But then, now how many of you know that's unbiblical? Are you guys with me? That's unbiblical, okay? I hope you guys are with me on that. That's unbiblical. But here's what they found out. A few years went by, 10, 15 years went by, and they said, hmm, we got 10,000 people here. I think we got about 100 people saved, right? Because the people were coming in to get their needs met, right? They said, give me the kind of child care I need, and give me the kind of music I want, and give me the kind of service I want, and the kind of food I want, and all the things that I want. And if it's just what I want, I will come to your church. Wrong. So here, I love this. I love this. Um, uh, so, Georgia, I, I, I know it's a sin to say I told you so, but I just love this. Those really, really smart preachers who are running tens of thousands, hear what they said. That doesn't work. And now almost all of them are backing up and saying, listen, we can't give them what they want. They need to come to church for Jesus and not come in here to get what they want. <laughs> took them 20 years to figure it out, but they figured it out. Listen, this isn't here to please you. This is coming here to please Jesus. If you're coming to this church for us to fulfill your needs, uh, you're in the wrong place. But if you're coming here to serve Jesus, we can help you out with that. Unselfish. And we know there are people all over the place. You know, uh, consumerism, again, American thing is consumerism. I'm going to go to the store that fulfills my need. I'm going to the restaurant that fulfills my need. I'm going to go to the church that fulfills my need. When they check off a list of everything I need, I will go to that church. Can I tell you that if you come to this church and you are a servant and you are unselfish, you won't think about your needs? Let's just let that, that sink in just for a minute. If you're coming to Sand Hill as a servant and you're unselfish, it will very seldom ever cross your mind that they do what I needed them to do. Now, here's the, here's the thing as a pastor. I named a few names. I can name a whole bunch more names. But those who are really, really servants, you know, um, I, I already used Brother Tom, Brother Miguel, but I very seldom see them open around here saying they just didn't pay attention to me. They, they didn't do what I needed them to do. Don't see, how funny would it be, Brother Tom, was moping around here saying, oh, they didn't pay attention to what I need. I mean, you know, like, what? Right? That just doesn't. You know why? He's so focused on us, he can't focus on himself. Is anybody getting this message? If some of you quit focusing on yourself, you would never have time to focus. If you're focused on others, you wouldn't have time to focus on yourself. And those people who are unselfish and who are serving and who are giving, they very rarely ever think about if anybody's think, paying attention to them. Is anybody with me this morning? Does this make sense? Amen. It's a servant's heart. It's an unselfish heart. And that is what we are called to be as a church. And it's a very foreign concept um, to Christianity today. I think we do a phenomenal job of... Of, of doing this here at Sand Hill. I think it's because we've been learning and studying the Bible. I think it's because we've been applying it to our lives. I think it's because we have come to a place where we understand why we are here. I just want to, I want to say this by way of encouragement. And I, and I do mean this as encouragement. I, I think probably at Sand Hill, probably 90, 95% of our people are, are unselfish and servant hearts. If you're here and maybe you don't have that servant heart, you don't always come in with what can I do, but you come in with what can they do for me. You sometimes are, are, are in the mindset of I didn't get my needs met. I just challenge you, if you really want to enjoy church, change that. You will enjoy church when you come here to serve instead of coming here to be served. Amen? <laughs> you say, preacher, we have visitors this morning. You can run them all off. Well, if they want the Bible, this is what they want. Right? I'm not here to run anybody off, but I'm just saying the happiest people there are on the planet are people who serve and are unselfish. That's what the Bible says. And people who want it their way and, and want other people to take care of their needs uh, are, are always 
always dissatisfied with the, with their, the thing. And this morning, right before we go into the altar call, as serious and as humble as I can be, there are some of you here this morning that don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior. I've just preached a message on being, on being a servant, being unselfish and all that, and maybe you think to yourself, preacher, that does not sound appealing at all. Let me promise you, if you'll accept Jesus and get in his plan, it'll be the best life you can ever possibly live. It'll be the best life you can ever live. And you say, that doesn't make sense. Well, maybe it doesn't. Just trust me, it will. And see, here's the thing. If you don't accept Jesus as your Savior, you're going to die and go to hell. That's pretty bad. But that's not the only thing. If I could just be real honest and just talk to all of you that are here this morning, are you really happy with your life? Believe it or not, there are people in this church who have some problems and have some difficulties and have some struggles, but they're so wrapped up in serving Jesus, they just have a great life. Does anybody want that? Man, if we could bottle that up and sell it, we could sell that for a million dollars. If you'll do this, you will be happy. If you'll do this, your life will be fulfilled. If you'll do this, life will be good. And that's what we're selling this morning. So you don't have to go to hell. You get to go to heaven. Your life is fulfilled. And the rest of the days you're on earth, you can have peace with God. But Charles, I remember... Conviction. Anybody here remember conviction? What a horrible thing. What a horrible thing. I mean, you were afraid to go to sleep, afraid you might die. I mean, I had it so bad, I was just scared. I was afraid to drive in the car. I thought, what if I have an accident, I'll die and go to hell? I was scared to death. Conviction was so strong. It is a miserable feeling, but it's by design. Can I just say, God loves you so much, He doesn't want to leave you in that condition. He wants to draw you to Himself. So if you're not content with the way your life is, if you're not fulfilled and satisfied, if you're if living under conviction and you're in that fear that I, if, that I will die and go to hell, good news. You can fix all that this morning. You can come down. Jesus has already paid for your sins, but you can't receive that until you accept him as your Savior and Lord. If you'll come down, it's real simple. You just have to admit that you're a sinner. Do you know that you're a sinner? Step one, you, then you have to understand that he died for your sins and paid for all of them. Step two, and then number three, you just have to repent of all of the sins you have done and take him as your Lord and Savior. It's just that simple. And you can literally walk out of here knowing you're going to heaven and have a brand new life. How amazing is that? If, we, if, if, if this wasn't spiritual, we could, sell, we could sell million dollar tickets for that and sell them all day long. You know? But it's free. It's free. Why would you not come and get it? We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and bolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.